We'll hear argument now in number 916516, Edward Soldal versus Cook County, Illinois. Mr. Stainthorpe. This case involves the issue of whether the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution protects the law-abiding against unreasonable seizure of their home and effects by state officers. If we look at the history of the enactment of the Fourth Amendment and the historical events that gave rise to its enactment over 200 years ago, if we look at the text of the amendment itself, and if we look at the decisions of this court construing the Fourth Amendment, then the answer is unequivocally yes. The Fourth Amendment does apply in situations such as my clients, and a seizure unaccompanied by a search must nevertheless satisfy the Fourth Amendment's command that it be reasonable. The Seventh Circuit decision from which this petition for certiorari is taken is therefore wrong in saying, first of all, that the law enforcement context of the case is, is relevant in terms of whether the Fourth Amendment applies and also is wrong in saying that the Fourth Amendment does not protect possessory interests of uh, persons and also is wrong in saying that the, fourth, that the privacy rights of my clients in this particular situation were not violated. Just that uh, the Fourth Amendment protects uh, possessory rights in a piece of personal property uh, just anywhere, do you? The Fourth Amendment would protect uh, possessory rights in, in the type of property which is protected by the, by the Fourth Amendment. Well, yes, uh, that would be my let's contention. Let's assume the uh, officers enter, a, uh, enter an open field and run off with a uh, mowing machine. You think that's a Fourth Amendment violation? I think if, if that is a um, if, if that is a seizure. Well, it's an effect, isn't it? And it's a, a seizure. A, if it is a seizure, if it is an effect, and if in fact that uh, seizure is unreasonable, and it would apply, and this court has held that it would apply in that situation in cases such as uh, GM leasing, where there was a seizure of cars that were on the public street, yet nevertheless that was analyzed as a possible Fourth Amendment uh, violation. Um, conceptually no different than, than the uh, case that you are, are proposing here. If you look at uh, Jacobson, uh, United States against Jacobson, there you had seizure of a, a what turned out to be cocaine, uh, an effect, and yet that was again analyzed as a, a possible Fourth Amendment uh, violation. Well, there's no doubt that if you seize something uh, uh, incident to an invasion of privacy in the home or some other protected place like a car, why the Fourth Amendment does, uh, is implicated. But, but the point of those places was that there was no invasion uh, of, of privacy. In fact, in, in Jacobson, the court only got to the possible uh, invasion of possessory rights after concluding that there was no in invasion of privacy because of the involvement of, in that case, of the, of the private parties and for so various an other law, reasons. A law enforcement officer uh, walks up to a person on the street, uh, grabs his briefcase out of his hand, and it walks off with it and then gets a warrant to, to uh, open it. Uh, yes. And uh, he had probable cause to uh, have it open. But do you think just seizing the briefcase uh, 
uh, on the street is a Fourth Amendment? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Even if it's never open? Even if it is never open, because, because the, this, this Court has consistently held that, that the Fourth Amendment does protect possessory rights as well as, in addition to, privacy rights. In many cases, those two, are, those two types of rights are, are intertwined, as I submit they clearly were in, in this particular situation. But a mere violation or a, a, uh, a sole violation of possessory rights brings the Fourth Amendment uh, into play. If, if that is not so, then the, the whole line of cases of this court, uh, which are known as the, the plain view seizure cases, make no sense. If that is so, how do you explain that there hasn't been, that this is the first time that, that a case like this should have come up in, well, in, in a couple of hundred years? I mean, sheriffs have been, uh, have been uh, uh, seizing and repossessing goods uh, since the beginning of the Republic, and, and, and we don't have a case in which it's been asserted there's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Why? Well, I, I think that's n not accurate, Ju uh, Justice Scalia. Okay, um, why not? Uh, because G the GM leasing case, which was a seizure for, uh, for tax purposes, in that case by IRS agents, mm -hmm. did analyze the seizure itself, not any search, but the seizure itself, as a possible Fourth Amendment violation Mm. held that it must satisfy the, uh, the command of the Fourth Amendment that it be reasonable, and held eventually that it was reasonable. What, what was the date of that? The G, uh, GM leasing was... 1977. Uh, okay, 1977. So, um, not 200 years, 100 and, uh, 190. Or, or what, I, well, Judge, I, I don't think that's true, too, either. Excuse me, Justice Scalia. Um, in fact, if you look at the history as laid out in, the, um, in my brief, in, in my opening brief, uh, there is a consistent line of cases which hold that, that the Fourth Amendment, first of all, is applicable in a non-criminal context and is... I'm talking about sheriff seizures. These things have been going on all the time. And, and very often the person says, no, that property was wrongly taken. That, uh, they shouldn't have had it. Well, most. Uh, I assume that there's a state remedy, and I, I, it seems to me the reason has probably been that uh, that there's a state remedy for those seizures. If they're wrong, you'll you'll get your money back, and therefore the state hasn't taken anything without due process of law. And 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 for that reason, I have not brought a procedural due process claim before this court, and it is a Fourth Amendment claim that is before this court, and not a procedural due process claim. How do you? How does the Fourth Amendment apply to the states? Through the Fourteenth Amendment, which reads, which is is no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process Correct. of law. Yes. Right? So you are ultimately bringing a due process claim before this court. In in that sense, but this mm -hmm. court has always been clear that uh, civil rights actions, there are basically uh, three types. That, that there's uh, Zinnemann uh, points out that there are uh, actions based upon a a violation of a substantive provision of the Bill of Rights, such as the Fourth Amendment. Uh, actions based upon what which is which is what you're you're claiming here, isn't it? I mean, you're yes. bringing an incorporation argument, not a procedure argument. That is, you're claiming that, incorporation due process. That is that is correct, Justice Souter. Yeah, but that that issue has really not been raised about about um, uh, whether uh, a a a Fourth Amendment claim. Um, is, is somehow nixed if uh, the state were, in fact, to provide some process for uh, violation of, of that right. Well, should we address that question uh, well, here in answer to this case? 
Justice O'Connor, I, re- I really think you've, you've addressed it at great length in, in any number of cases, from Monroe against Pape to uh, more recently Zinnemann against Birch. And the state in this instance does give uh, your client a civil damages action for the trespass. That is correct. There's no question so about you, that. You could have filed that claim. And why, why didn't you? I didn't because under Section 1983, um, the Congress has very clearly, in my view, given me a federal remedy for this type of action. I therefore choose to, to have this federal remedy. Do you think that the action of the officers was basically random and unauthorized in the sense the court talked about in uh, Peratt or Williamson County? In, uh, in, in terms of it not being pursuant to an established state procedure, yes, yes, mm-hmm. that, is, that is correct. In fact, so there is a perhaps, state procedure. Perhaps, then, uh, that's all the process that is due. If I were bringing a procedural due process claim, that, that would be true. But well, then you're making the, the, the law turn just on the technicality of pleading. You, you create a gaping hole. Well, Peratt, because it's just uh, how you allege the violation. I, and Peratt I, becomes uh, pretty much a dead letter, doesn't it? I, it doesn't at all, Justice Kennedy. And, and if you look at the, the cases uh, that have construed Peratt, for instance, if you look at Daniels against uh, Williams, the, um, where the prisoner slipped and fell, that clearly would not, which was dismissed on, on Peratt grounds, that clearly would not be a Fourth Amendment case. There was no seizure that occurred in that case. In the limited number of cases in which a seizure within the Fourth Amendment has occurred, the existence of uh, the possibility of state process has always been held to be irrelevant and should be irrelevant because the Fourth Fourth Amendment itself does not concentrate on the process. The Fourth Amendment itself concentrates on the seizure or the search itself. If that seizure or search is termed unreasonable, then there is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It does not create gaping holes in, in the, the Peratt line of cases, which is uh, a, a very precise holding in, in, in those cases, which is that when there is a procedural due process case, if the state gives um, post-deprivation process, then in several instances, that is all that you are entitled to. But I, I take it the, the procedural violation is, is, is necessarily hypothesized on some substantive constitutional violation having occurred. Well, it, it, uh, under a procedural due process claim, you would obviously have to show some uh, deprivation of life, uh, liberty, or property. That, that is certainly true. When, but, but when you're dealing with the much narrower question of a Fourth Amendment violation, which deals only with searches and seizures, and deals only with searches and seizures of, of a, a uh, small category of things, persons, houses, uh, papers, and effects. When you are dealing with that, there is no requirement that you, um, that you uh, first file in state court and find that, that you have no remedy in state court, or that your federal remedy is diminished by the existence of, uh, of, of state remedies. And indeed, it, it, it really makes no sense that that should be so. The Fourth Amendment itself has no, um, has no provision which, which, uh, which in itself provides for the, 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 there, there must be process. The Fourth Amendment looks to a seizure. It doesn't look to, to process.
process, and it looks to whether that seizure or search is reasonable. So, and then if you look at, at Section 1983, through which obviously I'm, I'm seeking to vindicate the, the Fourth Amendment rights of my client, that also has no provision that it is applicable only in the absence of a, um, a, a, of a state remedy. So if you well, look... Well, that's what Monroe versus Pape held, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, but then that, 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 was, that dealt with a statutory question, basically, not, not a constitutional one. Well, Monroe v. Pape was, was uh, my understanding of Monroe v. Pape was, was that it was, they were alleging a Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment violation. Yes, and, and I think the, the argument on the other side was that since there, there were state remedies, 1983 wasn't really apt. And then the court yep. said, no, that the existence of state remedies doesn't prevent, as a matter of statutory construction, the application of 1983. You don't have to exhaust. That is that is. Correct, uh, Chief Justice. So, so certainly, with respect to the yes, the the, um, the interpretation of 1983, there is no such provision. There, 83 doesn't create any substantive rights, and so there was a Fourth Amendment. Was that the basis there? Uh, Monroe v. Pape, I I think alleged both Fourth and Fourteenth, although I'm yeah. not going to swear yeah. to that. But well, it was, the Fourth was there. Yeah, and, and uh, as it is here. And of course, if the Fourth. Uh, if the Fourth Amendment required first resort to state remedies, uh, there wouldn't be a 1983 action. Well, it, it, that w for all practical effects, that, that, would, that would be true. Because uh, in a vast majority of, of situations where you have violations of civil rights, that also does amount in some sense to a violation of state law. So, yeah, if you, if you had that provision in 1983 that it was only operative if there was no state remedy. First of all, I, was, I would expect to find that in, in the wording of Section 1983, and it just isn't there. Um, and secondly, that would mean that uh, the vast majority of Section 1983 cases would not be, uh, you could not litigate them as Section 1983 cases. But this Court has, has really consistently held that that just is not the provision, as, as the Chief Justice yes, recognizes. But the, the, the holding in Monroe against Pape was a statutory one. It said 1983, as I recall, 1983 does not require that before you resort to it, you must resort to state remedies that might have given you the same relief. Okay. But 1983 did not, rather Monroe against Pape, did not address the contours of the Fourth Amendment. Yes, I, I, I understand the distinction that, that you're, uh, you're making there. If... if However, you look at the, the Peratt, the Daniels, uh, th that line of cases, Zinnemann against Birch, uh, the, the court has been quite clear that there is, for a, for a Fourth Amendment violation, the existence of possible state remedies is, is generally irrelevant. And once more, that, that makes a lot of sense because, um, because how can a state statute um, authorize a, a violation of the Constitution. How can a, 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 the existence of a state statute make um, retrospectively a, a constitutional violation? Uh, okay, it can't. The only well, in, in, in Parrot, in that line of cases, and Hudson against Palmer, uh, tend to cut against that argument, perhaps in a rather limited field. Well, they cut against that argument in a procedural due process case. There's, there's no question about that. Um, and, and set forth that in such a case, post-deprivation process may be all the, the process to which a, a person is due. 
Um, but that just means there's no constitutional violation. There's no violation of procedural due process if due process is provided, whether that's, it's before that's or after correct. the That's correct. And, but this, the, there's all the difference in the world between that case where you are attacking the process and whether or not you are given process, and this case where you are t- attacking the seizure itself of a home, a home which comes within the express wording of the, the Fourth Amendment, which is given heightened protection uh, by the Fourth Amendment. And are, you just, are you basing your primary argument on the fact that this was a seizure of property which would qualify as an effect or as, as of a house? Um, just property? Uh, no, house. It's house and effect, but I, I think the... Oh, I know, but uh, uh, house and effects, they're all property. They're all property. Are you in, indicating correct. there was any invasion of privacy in this case? Yes, there was an invasion of privacy. If you view privacy as broader than secrecy, which this court has historically done. Well, they, they got thrown out of their house, didn't they? That's right, and their lives were disrupted. They couldn't uh, isn't live... That, isn't that... Uh, 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 fairly egregious invasion of privacy to get thrown out of your own house? It always seemed to me, Justice White, that it was. And you don't need to really rely on uh, just the fact that this was a seizure of a piece of property, do you? I don't need to, re- I don't need to rely on that, but I think I have an extremely strong case based upon that That's also. Is that your strongest? I, I would say they're both extremely strong. Um, and, but I certainly rely upon the, the invasion of privacy inherent in... in disrupting these people's lives, uh, preventing them from living their everyday lives, making them go live somewhere else, deal and with... what did the Seventh Circuit say about uh, that aspect of the case? It, it said there, w- there was not an invasion of privacy here, uh, that, that the, this type of uh, activity did not invade the privacy because it didn't invade my client's secrecy. And there's no question. I'm not saying that anyone looked into the uh, trailer home or, or did this as part of an investigation. That is not part of my case. I am quite clear that, that this was a, an invasion of privacy because it, it uh, disrupted their life, because it, it uh, prevented them from pursuing their, their lawful activities. And certainly this court has previously held. When somebody stops me from doing a lawful activity, I, do I say, you're, you're invading my privacy? In, I mean, in certain situations, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. Just by, by privacy, you mean the right to be let, let alone, I suppose, and everything uh, invades the right of privacy. And, and this court has analyzed and, and defined the right of privacy in much narrower terms than that, uh, notably in the United States against place, where it held that the detention of baggage for 90 minutes uh, was an invasion of privacy of, of the defendant in, in that case. So, no, I'm, I'm not saying that any, uh, any uh, involvement or any disruption of lawful activities is an invasion of privacy. In the fact situation here, however, uh, the... the prior holdings of this case, and, and I would submit the, the history of, of the Fourth Amendment and the words of the Fourth Amendment um, would say that there is such an invasion uh, in, in, this, in this situation. That is, it's an extremely grievous um, words violation. Words of the Fourth Amendment don't say anything about invasion of privacy. They, Fourth, they, uh, they, they, they say search or seizure. And they also say secure. And they don't say a right not to be, uh, not to be arrested, but they, they say the, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. And it is certainly my contention here that the action of the sheriff's police in throwing them out of their house and making them move to a motel for several days, um, disrupting their life, 
was a, a, a great violation of their right to be secure. In terms of, of whether or not that, that disruption, that invasion of their privacy was reasonable or not, that isn't before the court at this time. It doesn't say secure from everything. It says secure from unreasonable searches and seizures. That's right? correct. And you say this is a seizure, which that, makes sense to me. Okay. Um, so my argument, obviously, then, is that I, that I come right down the middle uh, on, the on the Fourth Amendment, that this, the, the language of the Fourth Amendment applies precisely to this type of situation, and that if you look at the history of the Fourth Amendment, what was the history of the Fourth Amendment? It wasn't criminal um, investigations that, that gave rise to the Fourth Amendment. To a large extent, it was uh, writs of assistance, and it was... Um, Revenue officers going out and seizing uncustomed goods, I think notably cider, um, and, and taking it away. And as my reply brief points out, those, those seizures did not occur in the context of, of an arrest of the person involved. So, in fact, my situation here is, is very analogous to the, the history that gave rise to the enactment of, of the Fourth Amendment. So it's not, it's not some extension of the Fourth Amendment that was, was uncontemplated by history. It's not some extension of the Fourth Amendment that was uncontemplated by the words of the Fourth Amendment. I come right down the middle of the Fourth Amendment. And also, it is not an extension in, in view of this Court's uh, prior holdings. Um, and the, the decision of the Seventh Circuit is, is a very marked uh, departure from the, the prior holdings of this Court. Do you agree with the Seventh Circuit's uh, analysis on the takings issue? Was this a taking in your view? I don't think it was a taking because it, 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 it and, and certainly I didn't uh, plead that in, in the complaint. I think it wasn't a taking. You, you, your pleading was uh, confined to uh, the Fourth Amendment aspect of the case? No, my pleading, um, my original. You had a conspiracy uh, my, my, to deprive my, of property, didn't you? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. You pled a conspiracy to deprive of property, did you know? Well, not, I don't think in so many words. Uh, I, I pled violations of the Fourth and Fourteenth Amendments and alleged that it was an unreasonable seizure. I also alleged that it was a, a violation of substantive due process. I believe the original complaint um, alleged a violation of procedural pr due process, but that I did not pursue that claim uh, would it, in, in, would in light not, of this Would a taking in violation of the takings clause be a substantive due process violation of the Fourteenth Amendment? Um, Judge, I really don't, just to say, I, I, I really don't feel equipped to answer uh, that question. Uh, that, that was not a part of my, uh, my lawsuit here. It's not a part of my complaint, not part of the constitutional violation that I pled, that I pursued in front of the Seventh Circuit or, or in this court. Um, the constitutional violations that I have pursued are primarily a Fourth Amendment seizure. And the, the, you are correct. The Seventh Circuit did uh, discuss whether it was a takings. Uh, it always appeared to me that the problem with that was that it was not a taking by government for its own purpose. Um, if the government demolishes a house and, and puts a public school on it without compensating, is that a seizure? Yeah, is, is that a seizure? Um, I think uh, in certain situations that might be a seizure, yes. That, that certainly could be. But historically that has... has my understanding has usually been analyzed as a uh, under the takings clause. Yeah, and under the takings clause, 
Your, your remedy is an action for inverse condemnation, usually. Yeah. I, I don't know the remedies in Illinois, but certainly in, in the, under the federal uh, system. Under your theory, could a person bring a Fourth Amendment action to recover damages for what is basically an inverse condemnation? Um, if, if there were a, a um, what could be construed as a seizure, and if that seizure was unreasonable, uh, yes, I think it could well, be. Well, then you, then you really are broadening the Fourth Amendment considerably, because there's a whole class of cases where some agent of the government goes out and purports to take or occupy private property that really he wasn't authorized to do. And those things have been traditionally re recompensed by inverse condemnation. If a Fourth Amendment action is available to vindicate that, th that's a use of the Fourth Amendment we haven't seen before. Yeah, well, I, I think you, you would need to look at, at whether the taking itself was, came within the definition of a, of a seizure, and then look at whether the, the, seizure, the seizure was um, unreasonable. Um, I don't know why you had to proceed in that order. Why don't you ask, why can't we ask first whether or not it's a taking, indicating that takings are usually uh, uh, exclusive of seizures, particularly because it's not for a law enforcement or investigative purpose. It's to exercise the, the rights that an owner generally exercises. Well, then I... To me, is, what happen, is what's happening here. Well, this is not a taking for a, a, a governmental purpose. This shares more of the attributes of a, a seizure in the course of, of uh, some kind of law enforcement work by, by these agencies. Certainly, that's the way they perceived it. Uh, but the, the fact that it was not, uh, that, that is the way as, as a, that the sheriffs perceived it. The, the, the fact that it was not in the course of a criminal law enforcement um, should not serve to bar the, the Fourth Amendment from this. And, and this, this particular seizure has much more in common with those, uh, that type of activity by the governmental agency. We take this case on the hypothesis that the sheriff stands in the shoes of the trailer park owner. Correct, Judge. Uh, if, the, uh, if this had been a state-run trailer uh, park and the sheriff had uh, wrongfully uh, evicted and, and removed the trailer pad, wouldn't you say that that was a taking? If, 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 it, had, no. if it had occurred in this type of context, context uh, wherein they, there was a, a towing away of the trailer, I it seems to me that it should be more aptly analyzed as a, a Fourth Amendment seizure and fits very uh, firmly within that uh, line of cases. But, but why? What is, I guess I'm, uh, I'm not following you in the sense of understanding what your criterion is. How do you think we should distinguish in a doubtful case between a, a compensable taking under the Fifth Amendment and a seizure under the Fourth? Certainly one thing to look at would be uh, whether the, the taking was for, the, the, um, for a governmental purpose, for, like if, if the government was taking it for their own purpose. That would seem to fit more uh, accurately within the, the taking uh, line of cases. Um, when the government takes evidence, it's taking it for its own purpose. Or do you mean its own purpose in, in the sense of as a property user? Yes, more, more, more the latter. There it is. Well, it, what do you do then in this case? The government was not taking it as a property user, and the government wasn't taking it uh, as, as evidence or as contraband either. I mean, it doesn't fit neatly in any category. Well, it, it does fit within the line of cases that say that, that a not, the non-criminal context of, of a seizure is 
irrelevant to whether the Fourth Amendment applies. And also the fact, um, as this court held in O'Connor against Ortega, the non-investigatory context of the seizure uh, is irrelevant in terms of the application of the Fourth Amendment. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, um, which, which gets you to the point, in effect, of, of demonstrating that there is nothing uh, in the, in the, in the uh, purpose and the civil nature of this that precludes a Fourth Amendment application. But it doesn't get to the point of saying, how do we distinguish between a case appropriately brought under the Fourth Amendment and one that should be brought under the Fifth for compensation? Yeah. Then, then uh, I am left with, the, with the, uh, the, the distinction that I drew initially there, that if it was for the government to actually do something with the, uh, with the trailer or in some way convert it into something for their own use, then it would appear that the takings clause would be more appropriate. Why it's does fair it to say, to... then, that you neither pled below nor contend here that there was a taking? Correct. Yes, that is correct, Justice Kennedy. Why does it have to fall into one or the other? Why, Why couldn't it fall you, into you both? You concede that it cannot fall into both? No, I don't concede that at all. In fact, I, it seems to me that there are several cases where this court has analyzed uh, actions under several possible constitutional provisions, and it seems to me it could certainly uh, fall under both. Um, I had, had uh, pled it and litigated it as a Fourth Amendment claim in that it appeared to, to be very precisely within that uh, amendment. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, if I have any time remaining, could I just sir? Yes, Mr. Stainthorpe. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Gillis, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. <clears throat> the county officers here do not waive their state action argument. On that, the trial judge found that there was no evidence of conspiracy and, uh, and dismissed the lawsuit on that basis. However, we move on to the issues that have been... I thought there was plenty of state action. They uh, advanced a number, uh, I think, two or three positions. One, they said that they would look at light in the uh, best light favorable to the petitioners here, which I think is the standard. Well, anyway, they didn't decide the case on the basis that there was not state action. That's right. They were and under one theme or another. They went... They. Uh, assumed there was state action, and then went to the issue of whether the Fourth Amendment is uh, implicated by the conduct here, and secondly, whether there was a violation of the Due Process Clause. <clears throat> we believe that the Fourth Amendment, protecting liberty and privacy interests, was not implicated by what occurred here. The, uh, How about its protection of property? The Fourth Amendment's protection of property? Yeah. We do not think the Fourth Amendment protects basic property interests. The Katz decision states that those interests are largely to be left uh, to the states. Here there is an adequate state remedy. So that seizure basically is a dead letter unless it's accompanied by a, a privacy violation, on your view? Yes. To me, it's one thing to say that, uh, as we have in Katz and, and later cases, that a violation of privacy constitutes a, a, a search and a seizure or a seizure, even if there isn't any physical violation of property rights. But it's quite another proposition to say that when there is a violation of property rights, there is not a search and seizure. That, that privacy, in other words, an invasion of privacy is an essential condition for a violation of the Fourth Amendment. We've never said that before, have we? I admit that to put any type of ceiling on, on that conduct would be risky. 
But on the facts we have here, where there's no prying or snooping, invading or inspecting, we think the Fourth Amendment is not involved. It may be difficult to say in the, well, the, in the larger... Uh, the, 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 the classic English case challenging, challenging general warrants, which is what this provision of our Constitution was, was all about, was a case alleging trespass, a violation of property interests. I, I don't know how you can say that, that, that mere violation of property interests has nothing to do with the Fourth Amendment. I think it was it's trespass. Old background. Trespass to gain information uh, that should be kept private, that persons have a right to keep private. Um, if it were just merely... Yeah, but that was no part <clears throat> of the old trespass action, was it? I'm sorry. That was no... I mean, the, the intention... Uh, to to uh, to gain information was not part of the cause of action in Endic and Carrington, and, and there's no indication that that was that that uh, that that policy was somehow narrowed when the Fourth Amendment got adopted. Was there? I, I think you have to look at the objective uh, acts of the police officers or sheriffs. Did they go there with an intent to gain evidence in some broad sense uh, to use against? Uh, the uh, householder. Uh, and I say broad sense, I mean to include the, the health cases like Camara versus Municipal Court and uh, C versus Seattle, as well as the more typical uh, law enforcement case. But I think in each instance, the Fourth Amendment is protecting the... Uh, Mr. Gills, can I give you... We had a, an argument this morning arising out of a drug seizure and the, the law enforcement agency took possession of a home that had been purchased with the proceeds of, uh, allegedly, of a drug transaction. Supposing you had a yacht sitting in, the, uh, in a harbor that uh, was just bought with the uh, proceeds of crime, and the government wanted to go out and seize it to uh, forfeit and, 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 uh, 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 and forfeit it. Would you say there was a seizure or not when they, when they go on board and take, the, uh, take over the boat? I think that could be a Fourth Amendment seizure if the, the government is following through on some interest. The early Fourth Amendment cases uh, substantiate that. Even though there's no criminal proceeding, just that's the proceeds of criminal. I, I think that it can, the Fourth Amendment should not be limited to the strict... Uh, uh, to, to evidentiary search. Right. But it should be viewed more in the sense of uh, uh, a government end or a government mission. So if this precise seizure we have in this case, to use the colloquial term rather than the constitutional term, had been for the purpose of, of forfeiting the trailer, you would agree that would have been a, a seizure? Yes, or any typical uh, police activity. So taking the trailer for the government to keep does constitute a Fourth Amendment violation, but taking the trailer in order to give it back to the, well, they're, they're taking it to get it off of the property. We think this is like uh, the Cardwell case where the police car was parked on the public lot and the police officers took paint scrapings from it and uh, used those. That was held not to be a search because there was nothing about that that invaded the, the privacy. No peeking within it, no uh, inspecting it. It's, uh, the trailer here was sitting in, in plain view. It was moved. No officer looked inside it or attempted to introduce uh, anything into evidence uh, in any type of proceeding. Carry it off either, didn't they? No, they was moved uh, temporarily, 
and given back to the uh, petitioners in this case. How was it moved? It was not moved by, by mental telepathy or anything. They seized it and moved it, didn't they? The trailer park people put a, uh, a hook on it with a tractor, moved it off on its wheels to a nearby uh, lot where it was kept safe. And isn't the theory of this case, and wasn't the theory of the judgment below, that it was in the possession of the police officers, that they took possession of it and moved it out of there? If you adopt the theory of the Seventh Circuit, it was temporarily in their possession, but turned over, again, to the plaintiffs, unlike... I understand, but I, it seems to me that's at least a temporary C. I mean, if, you know, if words mean anything, they seized it and moved it. I think you, you could, using the common meaning of words, it was a temporary seizure. What we do not believe it was a Fourth Amendment seizure because it doesn't implicate the purposes of the Fourth Amendment. We also uh, believe that this is not a violation of the cases that this Court has uh, handed down on substantive due process. Uh, there's nothing about this activity that was uh, fulfilling any Illinois policy. Um, and we think the, the case cited by petitioners Moore versus the city of East Cleveland is uh, far from the situation here. Illinois had a, um, a an adequate uh, remedy for this. It, uh, in its Forcible Detainer and Entry Act, a, a, an eviction that goes ahead without a proper court order uh, can be the subject of a damage action. That remedy was always available, as uh, was pointed out earlier. If there are no other questions, uh, we would ask this honorable court to affirm the uh, conviction. Yes, uh, in Texas against Brown, uh, Justice Stevens said uh, that the Fourth Amendment protects two interests of the citizen, the interest in retaining possession of property and the interest in maintaining personal privacy. You disagree with that? I think we do. We, we would say that it should have be. have to, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. We, we contend it should be limited to privacy interests and to liberty interests, such as those involved in United States versus place. Thank um, you. Excuse me. I've got some. But Horton against California, that was something said by the court, wasn't it? Horton against uh, California was the, um, the search where they were, the search warrant said rings and they also took guns. Yeah, well, it, it, the court said the right to security in person and property protected by the Fourth Amendment may be invaded in quite different ways by searches and seizures. Yes, we agree with that. But that, the, the question is whether that involves cases where things are moved and implicating just a property or possessory interest rather than the typical motives behind the Fourth Amendment. Thank you, Mr. Gillis. Mr. Stainthorpe, you have one minute remaining. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. Um, the, the respondents have now acknowledged that this was a seizure uh, which occurred in this case, but I've held that it was, uh, but I've argued to Your Honors that it was not a Fourth Amendment seizure. This is a, a wholly unnecessary uh, gloss to put on the Fourth Amendment and uh, the type of gloss which has never been placed on, on the Fourth Amendment be before that some seizures are Fourth Amendment seizures, other seizures are not Fourth Amendment seizures. And it, it will further complicate uh, 
a lot of Fourth Amendment litigation if this uh, is allowed, if this kind of differentiation is allowed to continue. Um, clearly, the seizure in this case did violate the uh, possessor possessory interests that this court has previously held are protected by the Fourth Amendment, and I think equally as clearly violated the privacy interests. Uh, therefore, we would ask that the decision of the Seventh Circuit be overturned, in this case remanded for, for a trial on whether the, it was reasonable. Thank you, Mr. Stainthorpe. The case is submitted.